But it is something um, that's always been dear to my heart. Um, it's the idea of what we pass on that stays behind. And part of that is being laid out in stone and separate with the heritage of, <coughs> of people of faith and, and everything. And just the idea that we pass on and how we live our life moves from that. As I told you at the beginning of service,
So I know this is kind of an odd passage and break in because and, and to let you know what's going on. If you're here last week, Paul had returned to Jerusalem. Um, he knew that when he returned to Jerusalem, he was considered a traitor by the religious leaders and they were out to get him. And, and so he went and he shared his story. And that's what we talked about last week, knowing your story and being able to share your story. And he did. Um, but there was a group of people that heard this, and they're so upset with Paul that they made, basically, they made a, a, a vow that they were going to kill Saul. Um, in fact, if you jump back to the beginning of 23, uh, verse 20, it says, The Jews, he said, have agreed. Oh, wait a minute. Let me back up a little bit more. There we go. I'm sorry. Verse 14. These men went to the chief priests and elders and said, we have bound ourselves under a solemn curse that we won't eat anything until we have killed Paul. So there was this whole plot and they're all upset about Paul and everything. And and here you have this Roman commander. And his only job is to keep the peace and whatever. Probably really doesn't care about the Jews all that much. Um, for, For a duty station, this was not a great duty station. This was not like a premier place to be sent to Jerusalem because there was always troubles and there was always problems. And usually the, whoever was in charge got blamed for troubles. In fact, Pilate, after the whole Jesus thing and everything, pretty much went into obscurity. We don't hear anything about him. I and mean, he was a rising star in Rome. But after that, I mean, that's just the kind of place there was. And so you have this commander there and, and he sees what's going on with Paul. He listens to what's going on. He hears him. But he also says, I don't see anything wrong. There's no reason he should be in prison or jail. I don't see anything wrong. I see his life and the way he lives and all this other stuff. And I believe this commander knew that those accusations were empty. Eerily, it sounds like another trial that happened years prior. With a guy named Jesus. And when Pilate says, I see nothing wrong. He hasn't done anything wrong. These are empty accusations. And so for me, I I think really, and I know it's kind of a stretch. It doesn't say this, but I think this commander saw Paul's life and the evidence of what he was talking about in his life and said, I don't see anything wrong, so we're going to get him out of here so he can tell somebody else. Plus, he's a Roman citizen, so he can go and share his trial in a safer place. But it was because I think the way Paul lived mattered. See, I think so often we think that it's okay, we we make Christianity just a title that we wear or something we do on Sundays and everything, but for those that are true followers of Jesus, it matters how you live. It matters that not only what you say and that you're at church and doing stuff, but on the day-to-day basis, are you living out what you believe? Do you believe and live the God that you proclaim here on a Sunday morning? See, I think Paul did it every day. I think it was very evident in his life. And, and, and so Paul knew that there had, to, there had to be a difference in him. There had to be something that his commander saw outside of those religious leaders that made Paul different. Because honestly, he probably could have just said, I don't care, kill him. It's not a big deal. But there was something about his life. And I think for Paul, it was the way he lived because the gospel had transformed him. And really, that's my question for a lot of people. And I talk to a lot of people every week about saying, yeah, I go to church. I'm a Christian. But the question is, has it transformed you? Are you different because of Jesus? See, because I know a lot of people that claim Jesus, 
but they're not any different. In fact, that's what Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. So the moment that we make a decision to surrender our lives to Christ, and that, that, that moment that we come, then something should change. And I tell you, I got a problem with a lot of people hanging around churches these days that are saying, I'm a Christian, and they don't look anything like Jesus. I think the world's tired of it. I, th I think people are tired of it. That's why the church is no longer the center of our communities, because we just filled it up with a bunch of people that said, yeah, I can do this. Let me tell you, I, I was the best at play-acting Jesus in Christian. Because I grew up in a good old Southern Baptist home with a lot of Southern Baptist uncles. I grew up, I, the first book I preached from was from the King James. You try to do that with youth ministry. I knew it all. I knew exactly what to say. I knew the big words, the small words. I knew everything. And it looked great on Sunday mornings or at youth meeting. But the rest of the week, you didn't see anything like that. See, the, Paul says in, in Corinthians that we become new. We're different. And so the way we live matters. What we do outside these walls matters. The, the legacy that we leave, the faith that we'll pass down is not what we do in here. It's what we do out there. And I think that's what, what Paul is, I think that's what this commander is saying, and I think that's what Paul, his life was leading to. He's like, I've done all this so that it doesn't end with me. It doesn't end with me, that it goes on beyond that. So what does it, what does it look like? Because the truth is, if you want to leave a legacy, you have to lead one first. If you want to leave something that goes beyond yourself, if you want to leave something once you leave this planet and, and life is over and you want to leave a memory or a thought or something about you, before you ever can leave that, you've got to lead it in your life first. And so what's that look like? And, and what, what do we need for that? And so I've got a couple of things I just want to go over today that, that I think are imperative, that if we want to be a church or we want to be a people that makes a real impact that is happening long after we're gone, then we have to have these things, and it's imperative. The very first thing is we need a foundational faith. We need a faith based, based on the foundation of one thing and one thing only, and that's grace. That's what Paul talked about in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. He says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not from works that no one can boast. We are saved and we are different because of what Jesus did, not because of anything that we ever do. You cannot be good enough. You cannot be smart enough. You cannot be generous enough. You, cannot, you can do all those things, and they're great, and we should do them, but those should be an outflow and an overflow of what Jesus has done for us. We are saved by grace, the gift of God. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. None of it. It is God's gift to us. Man, that's great news today. Because we live in a world where everyone is saying, man, I hope my good outweighs my bad at the end. Can I tell you, it's never going to outweigh. It is grace, and the foundation of our faith is the understanding that I'm a sinner, and I can't fix myself, that I need Jesus to do that. And that's where it has to start, and that's where it always has to stay. Let us never forget what Jesus did for us. Let us never forget that it, that is the foundation of everything that we are as a believer. We got people standing in pulpits in the largest churches in America today saying, well, there's Jesus and. No, it's Jesus only. 
We got a world that says we got stickers all over. It says coexist. Let's all get along. And I believe we should be peace bringers and we should be the greatest peace bringers of all people on this planet as followers of Christ. But the truth is, is you can't be a Christian Buddhist or a Christian Muslim or a Christian this. It is Christ and it is Christ alone. It is the only way. And that is the foundation of the church. That's the foundation of our faith. That's the foundation of everything. And if we're not there, then nothing else matters that we do. It starts there. And for Paul, it was that Damascus road that he became new. He was changed because of what Jesus did, not because of what we do. And so we start with that foundation, that foundational faith, but it can't just stay there. It can't just stay like, hey, I said a prayer and and I met Jesus and I got saved. Like, I know people that says, I've been saved like 30 times. It's awesome. (laughs) I'm like, how does that work? Well, I just go down and I pray. You know, when I do something back, I pray again. God, forgive me. I'm saved again. Yay, come into my... I'm like, no, I need to see your Bible. Because <laughs> you and I don't have the same words. <laughs> I don't know what translation you're using, but there's something wrong there. Because it, it's not... So it doesn't stay there. It doesn't stay right where I'm just like, okay, I met Jesus. That's it. I'll sing some songs. And that's it. It's got to grow. It's got to be a flourishing faith. It's got to grow. And it's got to mature You understand that we're in this process that God is taking us through to reconcile us to himself, to transform us into perfect, this entire changing of who we are back to what we were originally supposed to be. The great news is that the moment that I meet Christ, it happens in God's eyes, but it also takes the rest of my life for the rest of me to catch up to it. That I am changing and I am growing Which means that I'm not the same follower of Christ that I was yesterday or last year. There's got to be some kind of growth and some kind of change. Listen, if you have a tree and you plant it and you water it and you do all that's right in in a month or two months or the next year, that tree never, ever grows, you're going to consider there's a problem there. Or put it this way, you (coughs) you have a baby and it stays a baby. We all love babies. At first, <laughs> I don't know how many diapers I change. I will be happy to change my grandkids' diapers and do all stuff because the good news is I can do it once and then say, take them home. <laughs> but for those of you that have been up all night with the call, how would you feel if that you would sit there? There would be a problem if that baby never grew. Why is it we look at our face and say, well, it's okay. I'm just I'm saved and that's it. But we don't ever see any fruit from that in our lives. I mean, Paul talked about it in First Corinthians thirteen eleven. He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. We need a church. We need people that will start manning up and womaning up in their faith. We have churches full of spiritual babies that have been spiritual babies for 50 years. And this is why I always tell you, you don't just take my word for it, challenge me. Look it up for yourself. Read the word yourself. Talk to God yourself. Learn the things yourself. That's what we need to do. We have become such an entertainment-based culture that we sit and we sit somewhere and we expect someone to speak at us or speak to us and we take some notes and that's it and that's as far as we go. Can I tell you something? I'm not smart enough to tell you everything that's in here. 
I don't care how many classes or how many degrees someone has behind the name. There is always something new. Isn't that awesome about God's word and God? He is new every morning. There's so I read John 3.16, and I'm like, wow, I never noticed that before. And we all know that verse, and we learn something new, and so we have to be growing. It has to flourish. Your faith was made to bloom and to bear fruit and to grow, and if it's not, there's a problem. If I am the same as I was a year ago in my faith, there is a big problem. Paul's faith grew. I mean, in the beginning, he was kind of he was cocky. He was a little stupid. He did some stuff. In fact, you know, when that Damascus road happened, he went and he preached and everybody's like, well, you're Paul. You know what happened right after that? He spent a few years learning. It was years until he came back and started planting those churches. A lot of us, we read this and like, well, Paul went there and then he started and then he was right there. No, no, there was a period of time that Paul stepped to side and says, I need to understand everything I need to know about the gospel and Jesus. Paul's the one who says, I haven't attained all this yet. I don't know all this yet. I haven't reached that mark yet. I'm still moving forward. I'm still growing. It's the same for us. Our faith has to be a faith that, that flourishes. And if it's not flourishing, I'm going to tell you this, and it's a bad word, and we don't like the word, if your faith's not flourishing because there's sin in the house. There's sin in the soil somewhere. And that's the truth. That is the one thing that keeps us from growing in our faith. And so we, we do, we have this foundation, it's based on Jesus, but it doesn't stop at the cross, it keeps moving on. That's why Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. <laughs> That's why we celebrate Easter. That's why the symbol of Christianity should not necessarily be a cross. It should be an empty tomb that says life continues and grows. The story didn't end there. It was just the beginning. Our story doesn't end right at the cross. It's just the beginning. And so we have to grow and it has to flourish. But not only that, it has to be a forward moving faith. It grows, but it grows and matures each day and each year. That is, There will be days where we'll mess up. There will be days when we'll struggle and we may take a step back. You know, I heard someone say um, a few days ago, two step forward, one step back is still one step forward. Think about that for those of you that like math. <laughs> two step forwards and one step back is still one step forward. That's all we're required. We're just required to keep moving forward. We're required to let go of the stuff. There should be the, the, the desires of our heart, the things that we make priorities in life should change as we grow closer to Christ and more like him. It will happen over time. In fact, that's what the author of Hebrews says. He says in Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore, since we also have such a great large cloud of witnesses surround us, since there has been so many that have done it before and have gone on before us, and we are standing on the legacy and the shoulders of all those that have come before us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnare us, and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. It's always moving forward. You never win a race by going backwards. Years and years ago, there's a guy playing a football game. He got a fumble. He ran the wrong way. It's played on ESPN like every year. 
It is my fear and my heartbreak that there are so many of us that come to Jesus and when it gets hard or something happens and maybe he asks a little bit more than we were expecting, we start running backwards. Don't be known as the follower of Jesus that ran the wrong way. We are called to move forward. And sometimes that's a little tiny step. Sometimes it's a huge leap. But it is always forward towards who? Jesus. This race that we run, it's, and I've told you this before, and it still just overwhelms me that Jesus is right there at the beginning, and he meets us there, and he saves us, and he redeems us, and he takes our sin, and then he spends the rest of our life running alongside of us for the best thing ever. Can you imagine the end finish line? Jesus is standing there going, welcome home. You did it. It's always moving forward. Our faith is always moving forward. It's never, never moving back. That means it changes the way it looks sometimes. It changes to what we do. You know, we look at, even in the church, look how we do church and, and everything. There's certain things that, you know, we always do. We're going to sing, we're going to preach, we're going to do this, we're going to take an offering and all that stuff. But it doesn't always have to look the same. Maybe the music is with a guitar. I remember when they started bringing guitars and stuff. My youth pastor was a rock and roll pianist that played with Jerry Lee Lewis. That man played so hard on the piano, his fingers bled. He was amazing. His name was Roger Solomon. I will never forget him. Because every so often we're like, Roger, just let it loose. And he also, in that piano, they'd be singing some hymn, and you would start hearing riffs and things going like crazy, and people's like, what's going on? And it was Roger saying, we're putting a little rock and roll in it. <laughs> and there were literally people says, well, we don't sing it like that anymore. We don't sing it like that. We don't play it like that. I didn't know there was like a certain rhythm in the Bible that says you have to play a song a certain way. There may be different packaging, but the message is still the same. It's always moving forward. How do we reach millennials? How do we reach a generation that says, I don't need the church and I don't see any value in it? How do we reach people that have retired and spent their whole life working and doing this stuff and like, I don't want to do anything anymore. I just want to sit in my, my, my Florida home and just hang out and not do anything. I'll go to the parks. It changes, but it's always got to be moving forward. Always our faith has to move forward to finish that race. So we have a foundational faith. It's based on Jesus. We have a flourishing faith where we don't just stay at the cross. We grow. We have a forward-moving faith that is constantly, I'm going forward. God, how can you stretch me again? How can you change me? How can you challenge me? Whatever needs to happen, how, how do I need to do? Whatever you want, God, I'll do it. But as long as it's moving forward, that's what I want. And then finally, finally, at the end of it all, we have a finished faith. Paul had a finished faith. At the very end, he could say, I did it. I did what I was supposed to. In fact, that's, that's what he said. One of the last things he wrote in 2 Timothy 4.7 to the guy that was his spiritual son that he was raising up that would continue the story on. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Lord, help me if I can't say that at the end of my life. I have fought the good fight. I never gave up. I have finished the race before you. What an awesome thing to do. To be able to say, God, I've completed the assignment you gave me. I've done it all. And by the way, if you're still breathing and you can check your pulse to make sure that's working, you haven't finished yet. Mm -hmm. 
See, because at the end of the race is glory. And as much as I love this church, this ain't glory. This ain't it. But we strive to finish. We had a saying in the military, you know, you got short timer. And it's been funny because I've been going to the VA a lot. And so I've been thinking a lot about my military experience. We're working on some paperwork and some benefits and all this stuff. And, and so I'm having to rehash in, if my entire military career and stuff, the good and the ugly part of it. And, and I've been thinking about it. But I, I remember, you know, I, had, I was in the CAV. These were the guys with the big leather, leather boots that had more cuss words than any of us have ever heard before. Put a Navy man to shame. It was just, that was the CAV. Hardcore, all this stuff. But I remember I had a colonel. And he would always start, I says, how many of you are short timers? How many have like a year left before you get out? Less than a year, you know? And he would always look at it and says, don't stack rifles. And it actually came from the Vietnam area because what would happen is someone would know that, hey, I'm getting out of here in like six months. So I'm just going to stack my rifle. I'm not going to fight anymore because I don't want to take any risk. I don't want to take a chance. I don't want to blow this because I'm going home. I'm getting out of country where no one's going to be shooting at me anymore. You know what? The mass, vast majority of those that stopped fighting never made it home. Because they stacked rifles, they stopped fighting. We have an entire culture and generation of people that have walked out of the church and they have stopped fighting. And they're asking now, says, why, why is my family a wreck? Why is my life a wreck? Why is all this? Why is everything falling apart? The fastest growing group of people moving into this area are retirees. And I see them every day just kind of walking around lost and hopeless because they've stacked rifles. Our goal is to finish the race. We never stop fighting because they're worth it. We never stop sharing the gospel. We never stop trying to reach one more, one more, one more. We never stop because they're worth it because if they weren't, Jesus wouldn't have died. We never, ever stop. The goal is to, yes, have a foundational faith that's based on Jesus, his word, and that alone. It's flourishing, and it's growing from, and it's moving forward, but then it's got to finish in us. I believe there's only two emotions that we get as followers of Christ when we stand before Jesus. I think one is that, Lord, I did it. I did everything to the best of my ability that you told me to do, and there are those that are just going to feel shame. And I get that out of 1 John because there's a warning in 1 John. It says, and now little children abide in him that when he shall appear, you will not be ashamed, but have confidence. Now, I believe Jesus will wipe away the tear and everything. But I think for a moment, just a moment, we'll stand there and go, I could have done so much more. I could have done so much more. You see, us sharing the gospel and living on mission and stuff is not about us getting big church or feeling good about ourselves or any stuff. Because when we are obedient to God and when we are running this race and doing it and finishing well, we become more and more like Jesus. You want the best way for you to grow more and more like Jesus for your faith to be finished is just to be obedient. It's not necessarily going to church. That's a big part of it. That's a part of it. But it's not just going to church. It's about living out my faith day to day outside these walls. You want to become a disciple of Christ and grow in that? Then live it out there, not just in here. You want to see your faith blossom and grow? Share your faith. 
Tell them what God has done for you. Be generous. Give, give yourself away. Do it outside these walls for his kingdom, not ours, for his kingdom and see his kingdom grow and see God move. You will see your faith grow if we continue to move forward and we finish well and we don't stack rifles. That's how we do that. It's not about just singing some songs or listening to a message. It's about finishing well. I love this. Ravi Zacharias, he's a great apologist still around today. He says, beginning well is a momentary thing. Finishing well is a lifelong thing. Listen, can I tell you, it doesn't matter how you began. It really doesn't. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. There's nothing you could do to make God love you more. There's nothing you've ever done to make him love you less. It doesn't matter how you began. But it matters how you finish. That's a legacy. That's leading a legacy. That means that I can walk out of here today and Grace Baptist continues on. Because someone steps up and says, you know what? I want to lead this. Can I tell you this? This will not make it for another year if I'm the only one doing anything. It won't. I, I'm just, I'm not that smart, that talented, that I can't do it all. I believe God placed this church for this time for this people because there is a thousand people moving across the street. There's a thousand homes coming in there. I think there is mass growth down here and God's saying we need more churches and not just this church but every church is down here that we need more churches. That will not happen unless people stand up and say, you know what, I want to lead a legacy while I still can because then I'll leave a legacy. And my heart and my prayer is that God, when I'm gone, long gone, that this church still stands and it's still on mission. It's still reaching people and it's for his kingdom and giving him glory. That It's not based upon me being here. And honestly, right now, I'm a little, just being honest with you, I'm a little nervous that if something happened to me, would this church continue? And that's just my heart. I'm just being honest with you. I, I know God is sovereign. He can raise up people. But I think God is raising up people now. And we may never be bigger than 20, 30 people. And I'm okay with that. As long as we're on mission and we keep moving forward. I want to finish well. Whatever that looks like. I want you to finish well. Whatever that looks like. I want to leave a legacy of faith and grace and love. And that only happens when I live like Paul. See, I'm starting to understand why Paul looked at people and said, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's why I work at Universal, by the way, so I can stand before you and say, share the gospel in your neighborhoods and your businesses. I don't know if we ever will have like a full like budget where I can get a full salary. Even then, I may not quit because I love going to Universal and I get to share my faith all the time with people. Pastors don't usually get to do that. We're stuck in an office preparing sermons and dealing with all the other issues. I love that I get to go and do that on a daily basis. Because I've always told you, there's no one more important in this church than anybody else. Not the pastor, not anybody. We are all on level ground. We all have a job to do. It is my heart that we finish well. We have a legacy that passes on long beyond us until the Lord tarries. 
Job's not done, y'all. It doesn't matter how we started. It matters a great deal how we finish. And so this morning, I just want to challenge you. What is God leading you to do? Is there someone in your neighborhood, someone in your, in your sphere of influence that God has been laying on your heart? We've talked so much about mission and so much for the last year about being the church outside these walls. Is God leading you to something? Is God saying, hey, I've got a heart for this. I don't see this at our church. Maybe I can run that and run with it. Yeah. Pastor, you need a Sunday off. Can I preach? Yes. <laughs> we'll talk about it. I mean, maybe there's something that God is putting in heart. Whatever it is, I just want us to know that man, that is all part of this story that God has allowed us to be a part of. That we continue to live out on a daily basis here and all over where we're at. That we continue to grow this story and be a part of it. How are you going to finish well? What is it that you need to give up or do? Or maybe your faith's not growing and you're like, it's stuck here. May I suggest a prayer? Search my heart, O Lord, that if there's anything in there against you, that you would reveal it and remove it. Because if you're not growing, there's something there. Whatever it needs, whatever's going on, let's take care of it today. And let's get back on the race and finish strong. Let's pray.